Grandma, can you pass the mashed potatoes and gravy? Aunt Becky, can you pass the green beans and applesauce? And, and, and Papa, can you slice me off another two drumsticks named John and David? Welcome to Thanksgiving edition of Election Profit Makers Twisteroo. Thanksgiving is tomorrow. We're recording this on Wednesday. We wish everyone a Thanksgiving. We have much to be thankful for in this life of abundance, this cornucopia of delights that is the human experience in the 21st century. But before we sit down to our Thanksgiving feasts, we thought we would sit down in front of our USB microphones and record a quick little episode of our podcast, Election Profit Makers. So here we are. Hi, John. Hey, buddy. Yeah. Welcome home. Thanks. I'm back in Chapel Hill for Thanksgiving. And for my big show, let's not forget Sunday night at the cave, 8 p.m., be there or be square. I'm opening for Speed Stick. It's going to be terrific. Is the how much does it cost to get in? A hundred dollars. Oh my god. Sorry, just ten dollars. Ten dollars. Yeah. Okay. It's worth it. No, I'm sure it's worth it. Yeah. Did you fly directly? The great question, John. I flew directly LAX to RDU. I did. Really? I, yeah. Absolutely. Wow. Nonstop. That's right. RDU. It's a focus city. Whatever the. That means. I have to say that um, what's going on with the modern airport? Why every time I go to an airport do I hear an incredibly piercing whistling sound? I sent John a record, a video that I recorded at LAX while I waited for my flight. There was an incredibly loud droning, high-pitched whistle going. There was also, this is something I'd never seen before, two Delta employees doing a variety show with a microphone, like with a PA, hmm. giving out, asking passengers Thanksgiving trivia questions, and then one of the employees saying, Frank Sinatra, come fly with me. It was like they did a gig at the airport. I was like, what is happening? They're trying to be like Southwest. Does Southwest do stuff like that? Yeah, I think they do crazy entertainment. Oh, shit. Type, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, to distract you. Let me play this video real quick, and you listeners tell me if you can hear this whistling sound. And we're back. That's crazy, right? That hurt my ears. I covered my ears like a maniac and walked but around. But you said everywhere, and yet we, we just have this one example. I've, it's happened the last time I flew Delta also. In one of the, at one of the gates, there was this crazy noise. At LAX. I think it was LAX. I can't remember. All right. Yeah. Sounds like an LAX Delta concourse oh, issue. Oh, ouch. You're saying this is like an, a Los Angeles issue. Well, it, I'm, I'm just, yeah. I'm, it's, it sounds like it might be that. It would be more interesting if you had experienced this, say, at LAX and then at DFW mm. or ATL or CLT. Mm, or here we go. EWR. Now we're in the zone. ORF. Maybe I'll experience it at RDU when I fly out. DCA, IAD, IAH. Oh my God. Can you imagine if I experienced the high pitched whistling sound at IAH? People or would S-U-X. lose their mind. Or what? SUX. Is that a real airport code or are you doing a bit? No, it's a real airport code. Which airport? Sioux City. No kidding. That's cool. Sioux City, Iowa? Yeah. I might fly there just to see if they have the whistling sound. Yeah, you should. It sucks. I'm not even sure that's a joke. No. It it it's it it is sucks. No, I don't know. Okay, let's move on. 
You want to talk about the New York City mayor? Well, there's just so much news, and we're doing a quick episode. I just want to acknowledge that Eric Adams has got to be one of the shittiest mayors New York has ever had. Is he? He's being paid off by the Turkish government, and everyone's like the FBI came up to him on the street and said, "We want your phone, dude." I'm telling you, New New York, it's is not good. It's, it's really biffing it right now. Yeah, yeah. I just want to I want to just acknowledge the insanity of the Eric Adams situation and once again lament the fact that there's no predictive markets about Eric Adams right now because those markets would be so hot. And I would just like to point out that Politico published something yesterday that said that Andrew Cuomo is considering running for mayor. Jesus Christ. That would be great. And kind of what New York needs. He would win too. Yeah. Everyone is so mad about – did you read that art? It was a big article in one of the prestigious um, publications of record, either the New Yorker or the New York Times. The Axios. The article about the campaign to discredit the women who accused Cuomo of sexual impropriety that was no, – and the disillusionment of all of the Cuomo sexuals who, who started some type of Cuomo pack or organization during COVID. That was a rough read. There's been a lot of rough reads this year, guys. A lot of rough reads. Well, one bit of good news. Uh-huh. Uh, a ceasefire was announced between Israel and Hamas. Uh, it was a deal that was brokered uh, by the Qatari government and the U.S. government um, to have 50 hostages released uh, along, and the agreement was to have a three or four day ceasefire and and they will continue the ceasefire uh ad- additional day for each time another 10 hostages are released so that's not bad that's a good thing could be worse yeah it could be worse spirit of thanksgiving that's what you're supposed to do at thanksgiving yeah. is say could be worse it has been worse and it probably will be worse in the future so that's not a bad thing speaking of the israel hamas war i am staying in a hotel and i have cable television and i was watching cnn and i saw the most amazing chiron on cnn on the bottom of the screen it said white house rejects genocide joe nickname from palestine supporters it's like why did they reject that nice nickname it's a pretty chill nickname <laughs> genocide uh, joe yeah then the next white house photo you see is is his face illuminated by sixteen thousand candles on his birthday cake he looks it looks like he's <laughs> grinning up from the bottom of a pit of flames it's such a weird image yeah. 81 candles on that pretty cake. small I think, flame I, I think, on that cake <laughs> i think that was i think they did it as a joke i hope but that was anything a joke. you do is a joke nowadays you can't do anything as a joke i hope genocide joe was joking about that because it was it was a it was a hell of an illumination, you know. Yeah. Remember when uh, Edna St. Vincent Millay said, um, "I know I shouldn't no. be burning the candle at both ends. I'm staying up too late, and I'm partying too hard, and I'm writing too much. But oh, my friends, and oh, my foes, the candle gives off such a lovely light when I burn it from both ends." Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Genocide Joe was kind of doing some of that. You think? Yeah. Okay. That was a good little segment. Other things uh, in the news about Joe, Genocide Joe, is that he's really old, <laughs> and the polling Joe. is also showing that uh, young voters have disappeared. And there's lots of arguing between the pollsters and Nate Silver and everybody saying, is it non-response bias or is has something fundamentally changed? Maybe it's a little of both. Um, 
So that's just some polling nerdy stuff that's been happening. Other nerdy things that have been happening is OpenAI's CEO was ousted by the board, and I don't know anything about any of it. Yeah, man, I tried to follow that shit. I don't. Get... I tried to. I really wanted to get into it. I this week, speaking of rough reads, reading about all that stuff, reading about AI, this really makes me think about something that's called capitalism, which is the way that we have structured our economy and our entire lives, and it is a paradigm or a system that seems to affect every aspect of human existence uh, and can lead to human flourishing or or human degradation and despair. And I was thinking, isn't it going to be so wild and funky if AI actually does, like, remember in 2020 when Andrew Yang was running on a platform of like, we got to watch out for these robots, they're coming to get us and they're going to change everything and we need universal basic income. Mm-hmm. And I was so dismissive of that. I was like, the robots aren't going to come take. They're not going to do anything. These dumb robots. Then AI got really popular this year and everyone was fucking around on jet, chat GPT. And then on, um, what's the one? I subscribe to the one. What's the? Uh, Dolly. No, the one that's bet much better than Dolly. It's a Discord and it's you pay $30 a month. And it's yeah. called Minds. It's not Mindspace. I wish it was called Mindspace. Yeah, Mindspring. My, I, something no, like that. Yeah. Now, now I want to say it's called Wellbutrin, but it's not that Wellbutrin is like an antidepressant or something. No, no. Wellbutrin's actually much better. Right. Anyway, one of these AI art generators where if the first image it generates, you're like, wow, that's great. But when you tell it to like, now give me more of that, it can't do it. Like it just can't. It it's not smart enough now to if you say like like if I wanted to if I was pitching a a, a, a movie about John Kimball mm-hmm. and well I can I can tell from your voice you're utterly bored by that uh, example so forget I ever said that and forgive me for living what I will say instead is that that the, even the advanced AI isn't it's impressive at first blush but when you really get granular and you're like now do this i feel like it can't do it anyway all this to say i was thinking isn't going to be so crazy if ai destroys humanity because these privately held ai companies even though i think open ai is a nonprofit technically isn't that right yes although you know now with um sam altman returning and the board being disbanded that's uh remains to be seen so i guess what i'm saying is there's no i will definitely not be surprised if the world explodes and all humans are killed because some privately held ai company did something trying to improve shareholder values like we're already slowly killing the planet with capitalism due to like fossil i'm really blowing people's minds right now everyone who's is sitting in their dorm room right now take another huge bong rip because i'm about to blow your mind i'm spitting some thanksgiving knowledge okay Tell this to your tell this to your boomer relatives when you sit down to Thanksgiving with them tomorrow. Say this: Say, Grandma and Mima, not only have you boomers destroyed the planet through your capitalist tomfoolery, and then lean in and say, namely fossil fuel consumption and doing a bunch of dumb stuff. Now, now if the fossil fuels don't kill this planet, the the fucking artificial intelligence is going to kill the planet. And then say, and what ties these two things together? The C word. And no, I don't mean c- I mean capitalism. How about that? Uh, and then take your plate of spaghetti, because for some reason your family eats spaghetti and meatballs on Thanksgiving to be different, and take it and go eat your plate in the garage. That's. I don't think the boomers are responsible for AI, though. I think No, that's they're responsible. The- right. The boomers did one thing. 
And now these fucking Silicon Valley freaks are doing the other thing. So we have, on the one hand, the old technology of coal and oil, coupled with the new technology of artificial intelligence and robots, they're working together the old and the new because they both worship at the same altar, the altar of the almighty dollar, yep. capitalism, you see? Yeah. yeah. And that's going to destroy the planet. Think on that. I have. I thought about it some this week. And I got to admit that I, yeah, I followed it from the financial standpoint. I was like, oh, how's this going to affect Microsoft? How's this going to affect OpenAI? Why are all the OpenAI employees wanting to bring him back? They want to bring him back, even though apparently he's evil and he's like lying to everybody, lying to the board. They want to bring him back so their stock options aren't worth less. In the end, it's just like, yeah, it's about money. You know what I think we should do? We shouldn't focus on going and living on Mars to save humanity. We should all live in our dreams. We should all learn how to lucid dream and just stay in our dreams and just sleep. Well, you know, so people have argued that that is what advanced civilizations do. They just dream all the time? Yeah, that they wouldn't have any interest in us because they would just be wearing 3D goggles and, you know, doing immersive uh, hey, can I interrupt for a second? Augmented reality. Do you remember in yeah. our, when we had a high school band and we would play shows and we did a cover of the Everly Brothers? Yes. Dream. Dream, dream, dream. We did a cover of that. It was really fun. That's a pretty song. All I have to do is dream. I can make you But then it must have gotten then we did, and then we, yeah, hardcore. Then we, yeah. But I don't remember exactly how. Anyway, that's just a random memory at the Thanksgiving table. Just having a little Thanksgiving chat with my buddy. All Was right. that the Super Gobblers? Speaking of Thanksgiving. Yeah, it might have been a Super Gobblers show. Yeah. All right, John, let's keep it moving. It wouldn't be Thanksgiving without some football, and it wouldn't be football without a UNC football update. John, what the heck happened with UNC football? You said you weren't going to talk about it anymore, but I insisted. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, UNC went to Clemson and, as predicted, got beat. And in just a horrible fashion, Carolina was about to go up 21 to nothing, ended up fumbling on the half yard line, had another fumble inside the seven yard line. Uh, so really was taking Clemson to the woodshed. But in the end, UNC, like usual, fell apart in the second half and in the fourth quarter. And Clemson was able to win quite easily. UNC will be playing rival NC State in Raleigh next week, where I believe UNC might be favored by two points. But that, again, is going to be another loss. It's kind of an incredible thing which has happened, but not to me. Because, again, when Carolina was 6-0 and and ranked 10th in the country, I still knew that disaster was coming. That's like me with AI. Yeah. And after UNC lost at home to Virginia, I knew that we were headed for losing all of our remaining games, with the exception of Campbell. I was wrong about that because we were able to, UNC was able to pull out that Duke victory. But Carolina's going to end up with four losses. After being 6-0, and they're going to go 2-4 and in their last games and probably lose a bowl game as well. So. They don't have a winner's mindset. I think it's. I think. I think they. Ju they're just not good. Oh, I guess that could be an option. Yeah, I think they just kind of suck, or they don't suck. I think they're just mediocre. 
They are mid. Ouch. Mid is the new meh. Think on that. I think it's okay to be mid, actually. I think if you... Yeah, not everybody can be amazing. You can be amazing sometimes. Carolina can have some amazing games and play really well and be awesome. I can have some amazing days where I do some incredible things and sell a domain name for a huge amount of money and just like I'm on top of the world. And then I can have days where I completely suck and fumble the ball and, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. Can't negotiate with the car salesman. Mm. And in the end, it kind of just averages out to you being kind of mid. mid. Interesting. And I think, yeah, when I think about Carolina football, I think you need to learn to accept eight and four as sort of a top range and be okay with that. And that's okay. It'd be great if everybody could be eight and four. I know that, that mathematically that does not work out. But if you're kind of somewhere there in the middle, that's okay. So we should tell our listeners it's okay if you didn't have a great year. Just be mid. Just be happy with that, right? Yeah. Because it's the end of the year, and you start thinking about everything that you did and didn't do over the course of the year, and that can really bum you out, you know? I get bummed out sometimes. Like, what did I do this year? But it's okay. You did a Especially lot. Especially as you're getting older. Well, and you're, Yeah, and you're thinking, I don't have that many more years left. Right. But you can look back and you had some years that were great. And wow. you're going to have some years in the future that are good. This is getting, <laughs> this is such a heavy yeah. episode. I love it. Yeah. I'm right, really excited. Right. Yeah. John, tell us about the UNC team that's doing great. They're not mid. Well, the basketball team is, is undefeated right now. So they, that's good. But the real star UNC team is the UNC field hockey team, which last year, about this time, Carolina was nine and one in football and ended up losing their last four games as predicted. And of course, you know, they're basically doing the same thing this year. Last year, I was able to flip the switch away from UNC football and become a field hockey fan and watch Carolina win their 10th NCAA national championship in field hockey. But guess what? They repeated it this year. They did it again. They won their 11th NCAA championship in field hockey, and they did it with a first-year head coach, 23-year-old Aaron Matson. That's shocking. A 23-year-old head coach. That's two years younger than Eric Adams' finance advisor or what, or his chief fundraiser, right? Who was twenty? So Aaron and everyone was freaking Aaron out Madsen about that. Won four national championships in the five years that she was here as a player. And then the old coach retired and they made her the head coach, which was pretty risky. Wow. And so she now has five national championships. And I would just like, you know, because it is rivalry rig, I would just like to congratulate NC State cross-country women actually won their third national championship in a row this past week. And that means that NC State all time over all sports now has five national championships, as many as 23-year-old Aaron Matson. Ouch. At UNC. Wow. wow, you really So I Wow, you really like stuck the knife in there, John. Oh, you had me going. You really had me going there. Poor NC State. Sorry. Poor NC yeah, State. Poor NC State. UNC, of course, all time has 50 NCAA national championships. Aaron Matson has 10% of those. For 10% of those. <laughs> she's 25. 
Yeah, 23. 23. Golly, got yeah, to listen to these numbers. She was 22 when they hired her. Listen to these numbers. Yeah, and this is the year. This this is she's twenty three. It's the year twenty twenty three. <gasps> who who else had the number twenty three? Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan. This, this is a big year for UNC. So we were sort of hoping to see exciting things happening, and and um, so far field hockey has delivered. The UNC women's soccer team is in the final eight, I believe, right now, and the the men are in the final sixteen. And hey, maybe our basketball team will do well too. That's the sports update, folks. Let's move on now to the Hollywood update. Thank you so much to everyone who wrote in with their considered opinion about whether or not I should watch David Fincher's latest Netflix thriller, The Killer, which features a set piece purportedly set in Beacon, New York, a town I know well. Most of you said I shouldn't watch it, but I went ahead and watched it because of my opposition to Fiant Disorder. I signed up for Netflix and I started watching The Killer and I watched the whole thing. And I have to say... It did have the scene where the meticulous hitman assembles his little rifle and screws in all his little dibble dabbles and his little silencers and his tubes, and I love that. You know, I came up on Frederick Forsyth's Day of the Jackal, classic 1970s assassin novel. Um, here's what I'll say about David Fincher's The Killer. I could not believe this was a David Fincher movie. I might be too dumb to pick up on whatever message the movie was laying down. But David Fincher is like one of our prestige directors. And this movie felt like such, I mean, the only way to say it is it felt like a Netflix movie. It felt like one of these gray, underlit, portentous, somber movies that has like a sprinkling of Tarantino-esque ironic use of music to let you know that we're all in on the joke and we're all culturally savvy. The killer, John, listens exclusively to the music of the Smiths, Okay the great British British band of the 80s, fronted by now neo-fascist singer Morrissey, although he wasn't out as a fascist in those days. But he was? Mm, I don't know. I mean, you can go back and look at some of those lyrics, and they seem a little sus. Anyway, okay. I didn't really enjoy this movie, but I did enjoy the sequence in Beacon because um, he, and I mentioned this when we did our watch-along party of the wonderful movie Clifford, which uh, we, I'm, I'll do a little sidebar here. We're going to post that soon, the, the audio commentary for Clifford, which I watched for the first time and absolutely, uh, I thought it was a terrific, terrific movie. That was so much fun. Before we started watching Clifford, I announced to the Discord people who were watching along with us that David Fincher, the man of meticulous set design and who make an actor do the same line read 60 times so he gets just the right take. This is a guy is like a precision, like a Swiss watchmaker's precision when it comes to movies. But when it comes to the uh, upholstery and seat design of the Metro North Line going up the Hudson River from Grand Central to Beacon, David Fincher was all thumbs. That train looked nothing like a Metro North train. And once he got to Beacon to go find the big assassin he had to meet with, she was living this assassin who's played by the wonderful Tilda Swinton, who also does not live in Beacon. I never once saw Tilda Swinton in Beacon, although I did see Pete Seeger in Tilda, there is a world where Tilda Swinton could play Pete Seeger in a Pete Seeger biopic, which would be incredible. Um, she lived in a mo like a mid-century modern ranch house, and there's no real neighborhood with those types of houses in Beacon. I'm not saying they're not ranch houses in Beacon. There are, but it, the neighborhood vibe was off, and I thought, this is not Beacon. This is not authentic Beacon. And then, I, and then what tr was truly atrocious— and made me rethink all my Fincher movies that I like, from Gone Girl all the way to Zodiac, his masterpiece, was 
when the assassin, when the killer, follows Tilda Swinton to her favorite restaurant, there's a scene of them crossing a bridge over a river, which I assume is supposed to be the Hamilton Fish Bridge, the Newburgh Beacon Bridge, which I used to live right near. I biked across that bridge countless times. I walked across that bridge countless times. And yes, I drove a car across that bridge countless times. Well, that bridge is made out of metal and the bridge in the killer was made out of stone. So I knew David Fincher was smoking some of that wacky tobacco. Then Silda Swinton gets to her fancy restaurant, which I assume in the original screenplay, I assume the screenwriter wrote all this as Beacon and Newburgh and this and that. Like she, they cross the Newburgh Beacon Bridge. They, and then she goes to a fancy restaurant on the water in Newburgh because Newburgh has fancy restaurants on the water. Well, this restaurant, it looked nothing like any restaurant I've ever seen in Newburgh. And even the street that the restaurant was on with its little walkway down to the river looked nothing like the Newburgh that I have dined at multiple times. So I came away from this movie profoundly disappointed. David Fincher, you are legendary for your attention to detail. But as someone who lived in Beacon, someone who knows Beacon, and someone who, yes, has a passion for Beacon, the way you misrepresented Beacon in The Killer makes me question every other movie you've ever made. It makes me think that the fucking detective found the Zodiac Killer, for all I know. It makes me, it makes me, makes me think that in Gone Girl, the whole thing was a dream sequence or the dog did it. Because if, if how you treat Beacon is how you treat every other element in these movies, then I don't believe a single thing you put to screen, Mr. Fincher, David Fincher. So that's my review of The Killer. So what happened? Do you know, was it, it was not filmed in Beacon? Was it filmed in Vancouver? Somebody wrote in and said it wasn't filmed in Beacon. It was filmed in Illinois. 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 Can you imagine? No. No. Beacon is too hilly. There's no, there's no hills it's in It's crazy Illinois. that anyone would think that that was Beacon, New York. Hmm. Oh, God. I hope the New York Times publishes my full-page editorial about how disappointed I was in this movie. It really makes me think you can't trust half the stuff you see on the screens, you know? Mm -hmm. The screens could be lying to us. We know the numbers speak the truth, but these fucking screens? Yeah. They, they, I would call them mirrors of deception. When I go to buy a TV at Best Buy, I'm going to walk right into Best Buy and go to the TV yeah. section and say to the kid in the blue polo yeah. shirt, I need to buy a new mirror of deception. Yeah. And I mean a television <laughs> to yeah. show me the lies that I hunger for. They would sell me such a good TV, I bet. Yeah. When did it become a TV? You mean when did they stop calling it a television? No. When did when did they stop calling it a TV set? Oh, when it stopped being a piece of furniture, I bet. Oh, remember those yes. big those yeah. big colossal wooden. Right. Yeah. It was a television set because of the furniture aspect. I think so. Yeah, I think so. And it was like a credenza, that. basically. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Isn't there a famous novel where someone, one of the characters is named Tony Credenza? Do you know what I'm talking about? Is it Thomas Pynchon? Nope. nope. You know how he always gives everyone these wacky fucking names? Mm. Samuel Credenza threw his hat across the room to marigold soundproofingness. You know what I'm talking about? Mm -mm. All right. Let's keep it moving. Welcome to Lection of Profit Makers, where we're going to be doing a ton of letters first. <laughs> Wait a minute. Make sure you can hear me because this red light is going on. Maybe it's because I'm screaming. Yeah, it is. I can hear you. Okay. That was good. But we're not going to do the letters. For, we're just going to do them first for you and me. Exactly. Right. This is what's known as audio magic. We're recording the letters first 
and then we'll go back and record the rest of the episode. However, when the listeners, those idiots, listen to the episode, they'll hear the letters in the second half of the episode, and they'll have no idea that we recorded ah. them first thing. Because normally we actually record in order that the listeners are hearing. There may be some slight edits. Okay, let's not give away much the whole. Ev- don't tell. If you okay. give away all the magic, then it's. We'll like, just add that in post. Let's do some listener questions, Johnny. Okay. Per our listeners, <laughs> you can actually write off gambling losses on your taxes. You know, I really don't want to do this one, and I'll tell you, and I'll tell you why I don't want to do it because this is something we should know. And it's something we probably did know at some point. We probably discussed it. We were probably answering a listener question about it, and we were, like, giving the right answer, and then we just forgot. Yeah, but that was probably, like, five or seven years ago or something. Okay. I think we can be forgiven for forgetting things, right? Forgive and forget. Isn't that what it's all about? Yeah. Yeah. I can't believe you can that's write what, off game That's what uh, – Dan, I was about to make a good – Go. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Say forgive and forget. Forgive and forget, man. This is what it's all about. Yeah, that's what uh, BB Netanyahu said the other day. Pretty good joke. What's the joke? I don't get it. Just like he's like, forgive and forget, you know? Oh, you're, it's just so out of character for him. He would never say that? Yeah. Okay. That wasn't obvious? Uh, I thought maybe he had said something specifically insane. Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> Um, the thing about declaring your gambling losses is, A, I can't believe it's true. B, it makes sense, though, if you're because you, you have to declare your gambling winnings. Right. And predicted, you know, predicted actually does those offsets for you when they send you your 1099 at the end. But I'm talking about gambling. Predicted is political forecasting and investing of the highest caliber. Uh, yes. By leading prognosticators. Super forecasters. And effective altruists. Let's get back into effective altruism. Let's make this the first effective altruism Thanksgiving. Wasn't that what the first Thanksgiving was all effective about? Effective altruism, yeah, it's pretty effective. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. shout out to effective uh, altruism. That was one of the great trends of this year. Okay, let's move on to an actual yeah. listener question. Jeffrey wrote in. We were talking about inflation and deflation and prices last week. Um, I was talking out of my ass just a wee little bit during that discourse. But he was sent in an article about the actual changes in prices and certain items in the nation's economy. I thought this was kind of interesting. Eggs are down 22%. Hmm. This is a year-over-year price index, the CPI report. Eggs are down 22%. So eggs are definitely because uh, I said once the prices go up due to inflation, those those dirty egg manufacturers and car manufacturers will just keep their prices there forever. Because why would they voluntarily reduce prices? But the egg industry had it through a little twist. They scrambled my little egg theory, didn't they? Mm-hmm. They gave me a little scramble. Twenty two percent for eggs. <clears throat> that sounded so crazy. <laughs> Folks, 22% for eggs. Yeah. I'm going to read you some more percentages. Lettuce is down 4.5%. Apples down 3.9%. Butter down 3.7%. And that's good because I know a lot of people were complaining about the price of butter. And then fresh fish and seafood, John, down 3.6%. Other goods that Jeffrey sent along. Fuel oil and fuels down 17.1%. What's fuel oil? It's the oil that you use to power your fuel. Oh, that's what they have up in New England. Yeah. 
where everybody has like a 400 year old yeah house. and you need the gas to run the coal oven for your stove to heat the oil right. for your okay. fish All right. smartphones down 12 percent. laundry equipment which i assume means washers and dryers down 10.9 percent. <laughs> televisions folks down 9.4% computer software and accessories. All right. Are we going to do them all? I want to do them all. I really enjoy doing this. Okay. Uh, health insurance down 34%. Well, now that's the fares. huge one. I mean, yeah. that's, is that true? Health insurance down 34%? Yeah. So Joe Biden is uh, the greatest president of our lifetimes. Yeah. That's crazy. Okay. Keep going. Medical care services down 2%. Mm. That's not great. Public transportation. Down 9%. Why would public transportation go down? The government is dropping prices? I don't know, John. One thing that I read was that the price of cars is finally starting to go down. Used cars. Right. Cars were super expensive during um, supply chain days during COVID, right? Well, can I say having just bought a new used car? Oh, go on. Uh, I'm not sure they're down that much. Wait a minute. I thought you already How bought much a do car you with think... your predicted winnings from the 2020 election. Yeah, yeah. This is this is for the 16-year-old. Oh. Needs a car. Wow. Because their other car Gained got totaled. <laughs> okay. So not saying they deserve a new car, but, but getting they a new need car. one because they have school in all sorts of really far-flung places. Moms and dads, so, leave, a, leave a like in the comments if y'all can relate to these kids in their cars. So buying a new used car, this car has over 100,000 miles. It is a 2014. It's 10 years old. What should it cost? Well, I don't know the brand of the car. What is it? It's a Subaru. Oh, Subaru. Subarus? Those are great. It costs $18,000. I'm close. How much? Fifteen. It's a lot of money. Yeah, well, it should. That's not how much they sh should cost. So that's a point against Joe Biden. Yep, yep. I'm pretty angry. Airline fares down thirteen point two percent. Car and truck rental down nine point six percent. Those are some of the latest price changes. Jeffrey, thank you for sending this. I would like to do this as a regular thing. But I read that the price of turkey is up like a thousand percent, according to Jason. Momoa. I don't know his last name. He's a former House member. His uh, at name is at Jason in the House. He was on uh, Fox News the other day and said that he had to pay $90 for a turkey. That got him on Fox News? Yep. Wow. Is that true? Is that how much a turkey costs? John, I don't know. No, it's not. It's like they cost $15. Really? <laughs> yeah. I went and filled up my car the other day, speaking of Subarus, and the total price was $70. You live in California. I know. California, we play a different game when it comes to these gas prices. I'm driving around North Carolina this week looking at these gas prices, rolling my eyes like they might as well give it away. In California, we pay for the privilege of using our internal combustion engines. I know. We actually have the highest gas tax, one of them, in the South. But yeah, it does not compare. People to in North Carolina are like, "Oh my gosh, it costs two ninety nine a gallon. Oh, whatever shall I do?" It's like, come, come see the gas station that's closest to my apartment, where we're regularly rocking six fifty plus per gallon. Yeah, and man. don't even get me started on these diesel prices. There is a reason because that every other person. Your... <laughs> oh fuck me! Don't even get me started on these diesel prices, because diesel give you a heart attack. Hmm. 
Jonathan wrote in, long-time, first-time emailer here, dropping a line after listening to the podcast episode where David watched all those film noir movies because I have film noir on the brain now that November is upon us once more. John, this entire month of November is really called November, and you're supposed to watch film noir movies. I had no idea. So Jonathan goes on to list a couple movies that he watched that he thought I might enjoy. Now, one of them is by Otto Preminger, and it's called Laura. And I looked for this movie. I'm desperate to see this movie, Laura. But I couldn't find it anywhere. I couldn't find a place to stream it or download it. And my strict ethical code forbids me from stealing it through an offshore torrent account. So, Jonathan, tell me how you saw Laura. And then there's another one he liked called The Bigamist. Well, I can't say I'm a fan of bigamy. But I would be interested in watching a movie about something I'm not a fan of. The fact that you're not the fan of something doesn't necessarily mean you wouldn't like to see a movie about that thing, if that makes sense. Jonathan goes on to say, I've also been Mitch impilled by watching Out of the Past and Night of the Hunter. I went down a rabbit hole of Robert Mitchum films a couple years ago. And while I only scratch the surface, I can recommend Home from the Hill, Track of the Cat, that's a great name, and Crossfire. Three really different films, which he totally carries. Thank you, Jonathan. If listeners, if you're like me, a newfound fan of Robert Mitchum, Jonathan recommends Home from the Hill, Track of the Cat, and Crossfire. Then he says, would election profit makers ever consider getting on Letterboxd? So what is Letterboxd? It's just, isn't it just like saying this, these are movies I'm watching? That's what I thought. I thought it was like um, Goodreads, where it's like, yep, just logged another movie, three out of four stars for the biggest. <laughs> yeah. what's, the, what's the technology? I don't know. I don't understand why Letterboxd is a huge thing. I think it's like also social media somehow, but I don't understand how that works. Huh. Anyway, I don't know enough about Letterboxd to go on Letterboxd. I don't think election profit makers will join Letterboxd. Unless John has a trick up his sleeves? No. All right. So that's a no, Jonathan. We are not joining Letterboxd, but we wish you and all other Letterboxd uh, aficionados a pleasant good afternoon and happy watching, happy streaming, and happy movie time dreaming. Pauline Kales. Tell, we'll tell them Pauline Kales says hi. Tell those Letterboxd people that Pauline Kales says her best. Oh, that's a good thing to say. I'm glad I said that. Okay, moving on. Yeah, moving on. Monica writes in, Hi, guys. I recently returned from a work trip to Kenya, where I was able to have a weekend break in the Masai Mara. Is that how you say it? I think it's Masai. Masai Mara, where I was able to have a weekend break in the Masai Mara. I stayed in a very fancy tent, so basically could hear the outdoors at all times. I made some recordings with my phone in hopes of getting some bird IDs. No go. But here's a couple of good ones for you. Unfortunately, my phone didn't pick up the near constant grunting and Jabba chuckles from the hippos that were just outside the tent. Jabba chuckles. You think that means that is, is Monica saying that they sound like Jabba the Hutt? I don't know. Maybe that's what that means. Jabba chuckles. It is. Ca it is capitalized. So, yeah. All right, Monica, thank you for sending this recording. Listeners, let's take a quick trip to Kenya. How far is the Maasai Mara from Nairobi? <laughs> What on earth makes you think I would know the answer to that question? Okay. I was just wondering, like, if you, because you can't fly in, if you were, if I were to go to Kenya, I can't fly into the Maasai Mara. Probably not. Okay. So I probably have to fly into Nairobi. 
and then take like a safari jeep or something yeah but is it is it, is it like 16 hours away or is it like two hours away it would be really cool if it was only two why hours don't we away. have monica right back and tell us how she got well there. i can probably look it up all right never mind monica you're off the hook just never been to to africa okay can i play this recording now and i would love to see the nairobi skyline oh that's what it's about you want to go on a skyline safari yeah all right let me play this recording And we're back. John, we got one of the longest listener letters we've ever gotten from someone named Peter. Okay. Who had not who acknowledges right at the top, he says, this is going to be a very long email, so feel free to not read it on the air or off the air. I am currently <sighs> catching up on every episode of Election Profit Makers and have finally felt that I'm at a point in time to be able to send an email. Following is a bullet list of things from the 228 episodes that I've listened to. Holy oh smokes. God. Oh, God. All right. Now, we don't have time to get to all of these. Um, I'm going to just... Uh, holy shit, this guy is really doing the work, isn't he? This is yeah. amazing. Throw him a bone. Okay. We're going to skip the part where he talks about the noise band that he played in in Albuquerque, and we're going to skip the part where he agrees with me that you should not respond to people who shorten your name. We're going to skip the... His, when he solicits our thoughts on alphabetizing music. Okay. We're going to skip uh, his... Oh, my God. This guy wrote so much. We're going to skip everything he wrote about Discogs. Wow. We're, okay. We're going to skip the part where he says that he's not a Patreon, but here are the conditions under which he would become a Patreon. Uh, no thanks. You don't like the part where he said, I'm... What would push him closer is that he would love an MP3 file of the Bad Boys of the Week theme song. I'd be willing to do that. And a lovely slide whistle. All right, listen. Listen, Peter. I will send you those things. I will email those things directly, but you have to become a Patreon member at the $10 a month level, okay? David drives a hard bar. I do drive a hard bar. This is a capitalist society, as we've learned. Harder than me, I'll tell you. I, yesterday, I was dealing with used car salesmen for five hours. Oh, my God. My ultimate nightmare. I was able to get them to knock $300 off the final <laughs> price I gained. <laughs> oh. We are in hell. Yeah. Okay. All right, Peter. You... You join our Patreon at the $10 a month level. Not only will you get some wonderful stickers, I will also send you an MP3 file of the Bad Boys of the Week theme and the erotic Bad Boys of the Week theme. You'll get both yeah. theme songs, and you'll also get some slide whistle recordings to use as a text notification. How about that? That's a bargain of a century. That bargain is available to all of their listeners as well. Okay, here's the only part of his 50,000-word letter we're going to read. If you decide to end the Election Profit Makers podcast because of predicted ending... Would it be possible for John Kimball to create his own podcast where he just riffs on all the things that are interesting to him? I'm a little late to the predict it game. If it picks back up, I think I'll join just for fun. But I mostly listen for John and his amazing interests. 
I too used to play GeoGuessr while I was bored at work. I like skylines, and I also love the conversations about the relative and absolute height of buildings. <laughs> then, he, then, he, then he remembers who he's talking yeah. to, and he says, he hastens to add, this is not to say that I don't like David. Mm-hmm. I just feel that John's interests skew more closely to mine own. I remember loving Get Your War On when I was an undergraduate, and, and, I, love, and I loved it, and I just never came up with David's body. Of, oh, fuck this guy. I uh, so he grew, grew out of you. He grew out of you. I know. It's you. exactly what he's getting at. Yeah. It's like meeting your favorite childhood author. Uh, when I was a child, I spoke as a child, and I thought of a child, <laughs> and I liked your books as a child, which is to say yeah. I was an idiot. But now the time came to put away childish things, and now I enjoy John Kimball's content exclusively. <laughs> I can't believe this guy. Uh, would I ever do a podcast? No, I don't. I don't. I don't think so. Because because I don't know how to edit. Yeah. Have you not learned how to edit? Yet? I can't. I can't. I, I'm trying. All right, keep it up. Because I'm trying. I'm on vacation. If anybody I... knows how to edit in uh, GarageBand, or if there's an AI that will just edit for you. So no, I cannot do a podcast without David. Thanks for putting the seed in his mind, Peter. Don't be surprised when I get fired from this podcast and John makes it an exclusively like dad podcast about the high price of used cars and how kids these days can't drive straight and they drink too much water with their clanking water bottles causing car accidents all over the all over i-40 yeah and they and they won't work and they don't work they're too lazy to work yeah yeah Yeah. i asked Maisie to run out to the um to the convenience store to grab me a five-hour energy and what did Maisie say well first i said i'll pay you five dollars well that's insane you're spoiling these kids and Maisie said no why isn't Maisie in school? Uh, because it's they, it's Thanksgiving's tomorrow. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Everyone want to hear my joke that I'm gonna t- when I when I pivot to becoming a socially conservative bro comedian and to get my own Netflix special. Here's my joke. I made it up this morning. It's really good. I'll sell this joke to a net. Uh, no, I'll keep it for myself. Here's my joke. It's really good. Yeah. I um. I uh. I needed um. The uh. The lawn mode. The grass in my lawn was really high. <laughs> my wife was nagging me about mowing this grass. Oh my god! So I turned to my I turned to my son. And I said, "Hey, kid, go mow the lawn. I'll pay you t- ten dollars." And my son, my son said, "I won't mow the lawn for ten dollars, but I'll mow the lawn if you use my ten pronouns." <laughs> That joke would go so viral on right wing podcasts. Yeah, it would. I, I would. I could go on the Ben Shapiro show and talk to Ben Shapiro about my amazing joke. It would kill. Everybody would laugh. People would give me a standing ovation. They would say, "Finally, someone has the courage to speak. Someone has told the truth, and I can't believe society is canceling the and my and I. I would just do, like I would be known. You know, remember when there was Larry the Cable Guy? Yeah, I would be David the Lawnmower. The lawn mowing lad i would do, do, I would just do jokes about l- mowing the lawn i would be the lawn mower lad and i would ride out on a riding mower and he'd be like yeah this thing's not electric don't worry guys it's not electric and then i'd rev it and i'd, I'd roll coal through my lawn mower that'd be nice shooting out black coal <laughs> and clark, grass clippings into the audience yeah i'd be yeah. like the gal it'd be like gallagher but with grass clippings, everyone would be covered in grass clippings, which <laughs> yeah. is pretty fun because when you're sweaty yeah. and you're covered in grass clippings, they're pretty easy to get off your body. Yeah, no, that sucks. And then I would tell um, jokes about lawnmowers. I would support that. I would support you going right wing. Okay. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Because, yeah, you'd make a lot more money. I would. And then 
I would know that you weren't serious. At least I would think you weren't. Well, that's the I thing, right? That's the thing. I wouldn't quite know. You and know, then when the New Yorker magazine wrote a big profile about me and they quoted some friends anonymously, they'd be like, at first I thought he was doing a weird joke, and now I'm not so sure. He's changed. Right. He showed up to our wedding in a lawnmower. <laughs> he wore a lawnmower to our wedding. He didn't ride a lawnmower. He wore a lawnmower. Okay. I would truly turn myself into a lawnmower. You remember that Stephen King short story? Nope. In the in his in his short story collection called Night Shift, it's called Lawnmower Man, and they turned it into a movie, which is a really crazy movie that has nothing to do with the story. But the original plot of the story is so great. What happens is, a, somebody hires a lawn mowing service to come mow their lawn, and the guy they hire just shows up and gets on his hands and knees and starts eating the grass. A pretty bad premise for a short story. Isn't that incredible? Wait a minute. That really was yeah. the, the short And the short story is called Lawnmower Man. Huh. It's just about a man who comes over and mows your lawn with his mouth. <laughs> was that like the Firestarter short stories? Firestarter was a novel. I actually read that novel this year. The original Firestarter oh. by Stephen King. Okay. It was great. It was much more... Um, it's deeper than to, I thought it would be. What? It was just the, I just wanted to know to you to know that I knew something about Stephen King. Oh, no, that was great. When you threw out Firestarter, it was yeah. like, damn, this dude is up to the minute on Stephen King. Yeah. It's no joke. Yeah. Uh, anyway, he finishes. Keep up the great podcast. <laughs> and we're done. Somebody by the name of B.I.L. wrote in. Is that your brother-in-law? No, I, I no. Okay. Um, and he writes in... John stated it was notable that UNC and Duke had only played overtime twice. However, I feel that isn't quite so surprising since college football didn't have overtime until oh, 1996. Touche, B-I-L. Yeah. Two times in 30 years isn't so rare. UNC Duke has had four ties, so sometime soon there will be more overtime games than ties. Interesting. They have played a lot of very close games, though, so I still am a little bit surprised that they haven't had more. But that is an excellent point. Additionally, UNC is one of only four football teams to be ranked number one in the country for just one week, along with Arkansas, Boston College, and Wisconsin. And that was in 1948 when UNC had Charlie Choo Choo Justice. One of the great college athlete names, along with Georgetown's Sleepy Floyd. Yes. Charlie Choo Choo Justice. That's right. So he, he dropped some football knowledge on you, Johnny. That's wonderful. Yep. That's great. I appreciate that. John, we've reached the end of this episode. Boy, oh boy. We had to keep it loosey-goosey because uh, we both have familial obligations this Thanksgiving week. But we'd like to say happy Thanksgiving to one and all. And we'd now like to celebrate the season by John reading the traditional Thanksgiving closing credits. Election Profit Makers is an independent production. We welcome your support on Patreon at patreon.com slash electionprofitmakers. And if you sign up for Patreon, you'll receive some wonderful EPM stickers in the mail. You'll also get an invite code to our private Discord. Send your election prediction questions, skyline requests, bird recordings to contact at electionprofitmakers.com. And if you want to advertise with us, email contact at electionprofitmakers.com. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.